Well, good morning, everyone. Ooh, we might not have had coffee this morning. Well, hey, uh, one, just want to say it's so good to be back with you. Um, for those of you that didn't know, if this is like your first time here, you've been gone for a while. Uh, my wife and I have been gone for a couple of weeks. We, were, uh, we ended up going up to uh, Minnesota, and we we're in Rochester, Minnesota for a Berean conference. Every year they pull together the pastors and, and, and people from Berean can come together and go to a conference. And this year it happened to be up in Rochester, Minnesota. So as a family, we loaded up in our van, literally. Like we were basically like scraping along as we were hitting bumps. Because not only did we pack our bags, but we also packed to go camping while we were up there because I'd never been up to the, uh, uh, the Lake Superior, any of the Great Lakes, and so I was like, that's it. Since we're going up there, we gotta go hit the Great Lakes and we gotta go see what things are like. And uh, just to give an idea as we were up there, one, I did learn the reason that they actually call the Timberwolves the Timberwolves. Because one night, it was the last night that we were there, we all go to sleep and I'm putting the fire to bed, the kids are going to bed, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue comes this long howl of a wolf in the vicinity. And I'm like, oh, wow. Now, like our campground, just to give you an idea, it was like hopping that night. There were a lot of people, and so everybody's kind of chit-chatting back and forth. Even the dogs were, were yipping at each other. But all of a sudden, when you hear that wolf howl, like all of a sudden, it was like dead silence. Dogs are going, hey, that's the other cousin we don't mess with. Like, shh. Don't want him coming around here, you know? And so we, we, we had a blast as a family. And so basically from Wednesday to Sunday, we ended up doing some camping together and that was a blast. But specifically about the Brian Conference, um, one, I tell you about the Brian Conference. It's called Brian Connect. Uh, it was in Rochester this year. Next year, it's actually gonna be at Maranatha Bible Camp. And so for those of you that are interested in possibly going and finding out what we experienced, I, I also post on Facebook a link so that you could actually check out some of the sermons and things like that. Would love to have people come from Berean and just, just come. It's open to, to people. You register, you can come and be a part of the Berean Connect Conference. It's a time where you're encouraged in the word. There's breakout sessions and, and they cast vision for where Berean is going as a whole. Well, kind of going in line with that, we're, we are going to take a little bit of a break from 1 John. We've been talking in 1 John, for those of you that have been here with us, and taking a break, and we're going to look at 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. So if you have your Bible this morning, that's where we're going to be camping this morning. And the purpose of doing this is when I went to this conference, I, I was struck by a few things. And First, what I want to do is I want to get into the text and look into the text and kind of talk about the text, and, and I have some questions before we do that, and then I want to talk about some of those things that stuck out to me at the Berean Conference. So um, if you can bear with me for a little bit, I have questions, some, some scripture, and we're going to talk through that together. So one, just pull up that next slide. My question that I have for you is this. So obviously what we're talking about today is church in light of eternity, man. I'll tell you what, when you start thinking of church, a hundred different things maybe start popping up in your head. So I put at least just a couple different things that came to my head when I think of a church. And maybe this was maybe on your mind. So one, the picture in the upper, uh, that'd be left-hand corner for you guys, is a picture of a lighthouse. Now, not too often that you actually think of, you, most of the time you think of lighthouses out on the coast. This one's actually from Lake Superior, right up where we were camping. It's split rock. And so, really cool lighthouse. Now, 
how is a church like a lighthouse? Well, it's, it's set up, it's, it, it gives a warning, it shoots a light out over, over a landscape, trying to flood an area with light, warning of dangers ahead. So maybe that's a picture that you have when you're thinking of a lighthouse. Maybe kind of going off to the right, you're thinking of a picture with people around a table, you're thinking of fellowship and food, and some of you maybe met friends as you, you came to a church, and what really sticks out to you about a church is the relationships that you build in church. You think of maybe times that you're eating food together and, and fellowship. That's kind of one of the big words that comes up is food. Or maybe you're thinking about just lifting your hands like the person's doing the picture. You, you think of what we just got done doing, of praising God, all attentions up as we're singing and, and praising and giving glory to God. Or maybe you're thinking of serving, opportunities to serve the community, opportunities to serve one another. Maybe those are thoughts that come to your head. I won't spend the time to do it this morning, but the reality is, is we could also think through other aspects of church that come to mind. Maybe things that happen with church that aren't so nice. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there's relationships that, that get frustrated in church. Sometimes there's difficulties that we experience. Maybe there's church splits that sometimes happen. Maybe that's what comes to mind with church. Maybe, maybe you're new to the whole church thing and you're like, you know what, I see a lot of the people that, that come to church and I see a lot of people that are fake. And I'm, I'm worried about, about that. There are all sorts of different pictures that can come to our head with church. And what I want to do this morning is want us to actually be fueled by what does the word of God have to say about church? What is it supposed to be about? What are we supposed to be doing? What's our mission? What's our means? And so I'll be talking about some of those things. What's our message? What are we supposed to be about? What are we supposed to be talking about? So what's our mission? What's our means? What's our message? And what's our motive? What compels us? What keeps us going? Those are a few things that we're going to be talking about this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'll actually read through this text with us. If we could stand together and we'll read through the text. So 1 Peter 2.4 says this, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, and as they were, as they were destined to, to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Go ahead and be seated. 
this passage has a lot going on in it. There's a lot of different pictures that are happening in the passage. Maybe you heard some of the things about a stone, a cornerstone, living stones, and, and all of these different imagery, but I'm going to try to pull us back and give a big picture of what's happening in this. So in order for me to do this, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get about 25 volunteers. So if you are willing to come up and be on stage, you won't have to say a word, but I just need you to come up here on stage and help me out with something. So go ahead and start making your way down before I start choosing, because I will. I'm, I'm, I'm like that. Oh, man, now we got some people come down. So basically what I need you to do, as soon as you come up, sorry, I should have given the instruction, grab one of those bricks. Grab a brick, and then just stand kind of down in the front, and I'm going to be talking here for just a moment and kind of giving an idea of what's happening in this passage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We still have some bricks, folks. We still have many bricks. There's people out in the audience. You can come on down. Get yourself a brick right up here. We got one. We got two. We got four. Oh, man. No one's even coming. Come on down. Come on, Carter. Come on up. All you got to do is grab a brick, man. I will call you out. Kevin, don't you be sitting on your tail. Alex, get on up here. I'm not afraid to call names, folks. I will keep saying, Justin. Justin, come on, buddy. Yeah, there we go. I still have a few more. Oh, man, they're holding stones. Hey, there we go. Now we're, now we're getting some people. All right. We, we, we're getting crowd participation. All right. There's something that's happening. Now, I still have four more stones. If you want to come on up, it can even be a kid. Come on up. This doesn't require a whole lot. Come on up. Come on up. Four more. There we go. I promise to make this somewhat brief. There we go. Yeah, come on up. There we go. All right, so here's what's happening in the passage. Many of you heard it. It keeps mentioning a stone. And if we can kind of bring up the passage of Scripture here real quick, Ty, Mentions a stone. We hear it over and over again. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stone, are being built up into a spiritual house. Go one more over. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. Notice this again. Chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The imagery that is being used by Peter is that of building. Now, the one specific building key term that he uses is cornerstone. Christ is that cornerstone. Now, what's the significance for those of us that don't really build with stuff like this anymore? We pour concrete and lay a foundation and then start building. What was the significance of a cornerstone? Now, some of this stuff, when you start thinking through with this cornerstone, this was a specific stone that was, was chosen very selectly. And it was going to be placed very strategically because all of the other stones were going to be built upon this stone. It was going to show the direction that this building was going to be built. You didn't build off of the cornerstone. When you did that, the building wasn't going to withhold the weight. It wasn't going to stand. And so Peter's using this illustration of Christ being this cornerstone that has been specifically chosen and is precious and has been laid down. And so I put this down, and then what I'd like you to do is one by one, start placing your stones on this building. We're going to build a wall. Are you ready? So basically, just one at a time, come and place it on it. You can place it next to or in back of. This sets the direction. 
either this way or this way. Come down and start building. There you go. Richard's got it. There's one. There's another. There we go. Let's start building up with these. We want to go up. That's right. Come on up. Let's go up. There we go. Try to go up. Good, good. Good job. Great. Hey, so see, for everybody that came up here, I told you this wasn't going to be rocket science. But it was going to involve engineering. So that was a little bit of work, right? It caused a little bit of, a little bit of frustration. We're going to put one more right up on here. So the imagery that Peter is building is just like this. And I, the reason that I wanted us to build this is this was the idea that Peter builds, is, is, and I'm going to give an overview of this. Here's that cornerstone that was laid right here. You can notice it by the red cross that's on there. Christ was that cornerstone. And it says that he was precious, he was chosen. And one of the things that would happen with this cornerstone, when the builder would select it, he would, he would lay it down. And sometimes there would even be a, like a celebration for the laying of that cornerstone. It was a big event. This cornerstone was so, so important to this structure that they would lay it down and there might be celebration that happens with it. And it specifically says that this cornerstone, Christ, was chosen. He's precious. It's, it's a specific stone that's going to outline what this building looks like. So he gives this illustration that Christ is this cornerstone. And then when we look back in verse 4, it says this, And as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And the reality of why I had other people come up here and start building upon this, Christ is that cornerstone. He's that foundation. He's that anchor. I can't build off of any, wherever I want. I don't want to just cast stones any, anywhere on the, on, the, on the table up here. The idea is that when I build, I'm going to build on that cornerstone and start bringing that structure up. And he says that in verse 5. Again, I'll read it to you. And you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a, as a spiritual house. So the picture that Peter is giving us is that of a structure. Now imagine all of us coming up here and putting bricks up. Eventually we'd have a structure sitting pretty tall. And he has this idea that Christ is that cornerstone. We're these living stones that are, that are being built upon that. Now, one of the other things that, that happens that's so neat about this illustration that he uses with us is this. I can't build wherever I want on this thing. The cornerstone tells me which direction that I'm going to go. And that's Christ and his church. He gives us direction on which way we go. We don't just build any which way we want to. We actually build on the foundation that he's actually laid. So you'll notice that with this, you would have bricks going back and bricks going down this way and then everything being built up upon that cornerstone. Christ being foundational to that whole concept. So thinking through that, that's the imagery that we want to think about with Peter. He has this idea of a structure that is being built and he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but precious in the sight of God, chosen and precious you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. That's what God is trying to do right now with his church. He's the cornerstone. 
And we're building upon that foundation that's been laid and that's Christ that, that, that we're trusting in for the support, stability, and direction. He's the one that gives us direction and support. So Peter gives this illustration and he says that we're being built up upon him. But here's the reality that he comes to next. When you look in the next verse, verse six, it says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, for those of you who believe and build your life on this cornerstone, that's the ideal. That's what God has set forth. That's what God's trying to do here. But there are other people, and the specific people that he mentions is that there were these other builders, that was the leaders of Jesus' time, who rejected that cornerstone. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. The reality that we're brought to for each and every one of us is this. With Christ being that, that cornerstone, we're left with a choice. It's a choice of, do I want to choose this cornerstone to be the thing that gives my life purpose, direction, support, hope, or do I want to try to bypass it and walk around it and go, man, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm going to try to build on my own in, in another spot. When I try to do that, what Peter tells these people is he says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And listen how he describes it in verse 8. It's a stone of stumbling. Now that idea, it's a, it's a small stone. It's something that, that they come over and they, they run into. They trip over. It hurts them. The other picture that he gives is it's of a rock, a big rock. It's a rock of offense. It's a scandalous rock. That regardless of I have to come to, when I come to this stone, I have to make a choice is what Peter's talking about. And it's a life or death choice. It's not just something that I can walk around and get away with. The reality is, is I will interact with this stone somehow. I'll either accept and build upon it or I'm going to, be re- I'm going to reject it to my own shame and to my own hurt. And Peter doesn't want that for people. So we come back into the text again. And we look and he says that there was a stone that people rejected. They looked at Jesus and we saw that in Jesus' life, didn't we? Jesus came offering himself so freely and yet people rejected him. They didn't accept the offering that was being made for them. We come to the next part of the text and then we're actually gonna make some observations where he says this, but you... Instead of being a person that stumbles because they disobey the word in verse eight, and that disobey, understand what that means. It's, it's, a, it's a person that is purposefully rejecting the information that, that has been given to them. It's not because I don't have enough information. It's a person who hears the information and goes, I don't wanna have anything to do with this. It says, for those that disobey, as they were destined to do, but you, he uses a contrast with people. He says, you are a chosen race, in verse nine, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The picture there that he gives is this people, they had a purpose. 
They were given this purpose. They were called out of darkness into light. And they were to be this people that would go out and make Christ known, make known his excellencies. They wouldn't be about their own glory. They would be about the glory of the one who rescued them. They'd be about the cornerstone. Again, it would be the one that they talk about, the one that they build their lives upon, the one that that directs their living after that. So they'd be talking about this cornerstone, proclaiming his excellencies. In the last part in verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What's he saying with that? He's giving this big picture, and I'll talk about it here in just a moment, of just gratitude for what's been done for them. I know I kind of rushed through a lot of that text, but now let's kind of go back and actually make some observations. First is the question of this. What is the mission of a church? Why why have we even been called together? What's the purpose of us? Why do we come here on a Sunday morning? Man, there are so many other things that people could do with your time on a Sunday morning, trust me. I know that there's cartoons that you can get up and read in the morning when you get the paper. If you don't get the paper, you can watch cartoons. I mean, there's there's a lot of great stuff happening on a Sunday morning. Why come here? What's the purpose that God has pulled this group of people together to do? Well, one, we just kind of started talking about this. The passage talks about the reality is is of building. The purpose of this this group of people is building. When we go back into verse four, it says this. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. One of the things that God is doing is he's building something up and he's involving people. He's involving us in what he's doing. Man, there is a wonderful privilege right now that is happening. Do you see it? He's involving people in what God is trying to do in this age. That means he's strategically placing people in certain places. He's actually opening up opportunities for you on a day-to-day basis to be involved in the lives of others and be a blessing to one another. He's building something. He's building us into this this structure that is going to be something that brings glory to him. So what is he doing? If we look at verse five um, on mission building, sorry, time jumping around on you just a little bit, but on mission building, one of the things in verse five that he says that we're to do is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Part of that mission is that, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Well, what is that? What is an, an offering that... What does that have to do with anything? If we look in the text, we can actually see really clearly what he's talking about. Look in verse five with me. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. He's actually bringing a group of people. Now he changes the imagery from a structure and he actually changes it to priests. He says, before there used to be a certain people, the priests, Levitical priesthood, that would go in to the temple. They were the ones that that on a certain time of the year, somebody would have an opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies. He would have an opportunity to serve in the temple. They weren't always serving in the temple. Sometimes they were serving in their local communities. They would be even teaching the word of God. But these were people that would represent people before God. And then at times they would even represent God before people as they would be pointing people back to scripture. 
And what God is doing in this phase is he's bringing people together. And just like this brick, he's, he's, he's allowing them to be a part of this structure like a living stone. But they're a priest. They're not just static. They're not just staying there as, as a structure. They're actually going out and representing God to others and, and people to God. They're praying for these people. And they're actually serving and ministering. So when we look at verse five, what was one of the things that they were to do? Why is he forming this building? It's so that we can actually be a royal priesthood. What does that mean just practically? Well, one, I'm a pastor standing up here. Many times in, throughout church history, there, there was a big emphasis on the priest. I would go to the priest and that would be the one who I go and I have access to God before. That's something that's been done away with. Now you have direct access with God. You don't need me in that regard. You can get on your knees. You can meet God right where you are. You don't have to have someone to, to, to actually get access to God himself. He has this royal priesthood, this group of people that now you have access to God. Not only that, but he's also commissioning a group of people to be about representing himself like this structure. Now you're a part of this program. You're part of the structure that's going to be bringing God glory. Sometimes in churches we mention the priesthood of the believers. That means that each and every one of us are involved in this. It's not just me, it's not just the leaders that serve here. Each and every one of us are a part of this process of bringing glory to God here in this church and in this community. Do we believe that? Do we understand that that's what we're actually called to do? to offer these spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. The other one that is mentioned is in verse nine and it says that you are this holy nation, this chosen people, this royal priesthood, and why were they that? It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reality for each and every one of us is what were we called to do? We were called to just proclaim, to point. The mission of the church is this, it's to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. When we come in here in a, in a morning, we're coming together as one voice trying to proclaim who God is. We're singing about who he is. When we hear teaching in our small groups, we're trying to point people back to Jesus Christ and point him to the excellencies of who he is. This isn't about the greatness of who we are and what we've done and how patting ourselves on the back on what a great job we're doing. What we're to be about is the glory of God. And so he points people to that. Well, I don't know about any of you, but when I start hearing about some of those things that we're supposed to be doing, being involved in the community, pointing people to God, representing God to other people, man, that is overwhelming to think about. And I think through, man, how on earth am I gonna do this? How on earth do we as a church do this? We're a small church. We're, we're about 150 strong or so. How do we do this in this community? Well, there's great news. As we look at the means, God has provided a means to this group to actually do this, and that's the cornerstone. There's back one, I think, Ty, sorry. There we go, back two. There we go. I think I got off on you, sorry. That was my bad. So the cornerstone, when we look to that, it says to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
In the first part of that, in verse four, he says, as you come to him. The reality for each and every one of us is, how do I do this? How do I be a part of this group that are gonna be going out and bringing praise and bringing glory to God? Well, this is absolutely impossible if I don't come to him. The idea of that is a continual, perpetual, a, a, a perpetual coming to God as you're coming to him on a regular basis means that I need God if I'm gonna accomplish the mission that he has for us. If I'm gonna be offering these sacrifices, I can't do it on my own. I have to do it through him. So we look at what's the means to do that. It's the cornerstone. It's Jesus himself. In order to do this, I have to do it through Jesus Christ. But now look at verse five and and notice something with me because this is something that's so often not talked about and, and highlighted in the church for each and every one of us. Verse five says, and you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. You might not see this in the translation because sometimes it's, it's it, I almost wish we had a Southern translation, some, some y'alls in there. But let me read this to you a little bit different way so that you can kind of get an idea. We need a Southern draw for this, this reading maybe just a little bit to get it, get it across. But Listen to what the passage says if I start in verse four. And you all, as you all come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you all yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as this spiritual house to be a royal priesthood. Do you hear what's happening there? I can't do this on my own. And this is one of the important ones, the means to actually achieving us actually offering this sacrifice, proclaiming the excellencies of God. Do you realize for each and every one of you in the church right now that it's so often, it's so easy to think that I can do this thing on my own. Oh, I've got this. I can do this on my own. I can grow up into maturity. I can, I can, I can love Jesus. I can do all of this on my own. We love that mentality here in Wyoming. Man, I grew up ranching community. My grandparents were, were probably the epitome of, of able to do things on their own. My grandpa was even an inventor. But the reality of church and the lovely thing that Jesus has done is we can't bring God the glory that he desires on my own. I can't offer the sacrifice that he desires on my own. I need a group of people to offer him the praise and sacrifice that he desires. What does that mean for each and every one of us? I need you. I need you in my life and you need me and you need each other. It's important for us, if we're gonna accomplish the mission that God has called us to, we can't do this on our own. We've been called to do this together, corporately, collectively, as you all come to to God, as you all are being built up, something that God is doing specifically. We even look at that, and it's not even just something that we are doing on our own. Look at verse five again. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. That means it's not us that's doing the building. Who was the one that laid the cornerstone in that imagery that, that he was using? Who was it? Try to throw it out to me. Who laid that cornerstone? Jesus is the cornerstone. It was the Father. The Father, like a master builder, laid the cornerstone. And then we are being built up upon him. God's the one who's building this thing. And he's involving us in it. We can't do it on our own. So 
a huge part of that process that we can't do this on our own. The other aspect that we'll throw in here is the motive. Well, what's the motive for doing all of this? Why? Why are we doing what we, we do? What's the purpose? What keeps us and compels us? And Peter actually gives it. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Do you see what he's saying in that? He's absolutely captivated by what God has done for him. Man, once we weren't a people, once we, we were alienated from the people of God. Paul uses that language in Ephesians. At one time, we were separated. We didn't have a chance to be a part of God's program. But now we have been made a people. Now he's actually opened this up, opened up a way for us to have access to God through Jesus Christ, through that cornerstone. And he's going, man, once I wasn't a person that belonged to God, but now I do. And how did that happen? It was through faith, what he was just talking about. That, that I came to him, I came to this living stone and I placed my faith in him alone to be the one that gives my, my life direction and hope. That picture of belief is that I'm aligning myself with who, with who God is and what he says about himself and what his purposes are. That's that idea of belief. And I'm captivated, I'm motivated by that. Once I, was not, I had not received mercy, but now I have received mercy. Man, he's blown away at the mercy that he's received from God. Well, let's go into just a statement based on this, these verses. This is just something that I put together for us as a church. What is the purpose for us as a church? says we are saved by grace through faith. Do you see that in the text that we just read? I come to this living stone. It's not, it's not by something that I've done, but I, place, I believe in, in him and what he's done. He's going to give my, my life purpose and direction. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus to align our lives with his by joining with God's people and growing in our capacity to effectively delight and proclaim, it, and proclaim him. That's our purpose. That's what we're called to do. We're to join with God's people. When I don't do that, I can't do this on my own. And when I come together and I join with God's people, guess what happens? Well, man, when I do that, I start growing in my relationship. And you're like, well, wait a minute. When I start coming around God's people, sometimes I just get flat out angry. <laughs> Sometimes I get hurt. Yeah, you do. And that's part of your growth. That's actually part of God gracing you to go, you know what, there's something in you that I actually wanna work on. This person upsetting you, it's not about them, it's actually about you. And I wanna teach you something about myself. And I actually need that person to teach me that. So we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus to align our lives, meaning I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't bypass, I can't step around the cornerstone. I need him to be the one that gives my life direction. And I need to be growing in my capacity to effectively delight in him. That's that idea of, of offering spiritual sacrifice. It's that out of this worship, out of this gratitude for what God has done, I come to a place where I'm like, oh man, God, you're so good. You've forgiven me. Man, you've forgiven this person. You've given my life purpose and direction and now I wanna follow you and I wanna give my life for you. 
I'll do whatever you want me to do. That we grow in our delight of God and our willingness to obey him and to proclaim him. We make him known. Well, here's my questions for this morning as we kind of think through some of that. Why is this so important for us to think through? Why, why did I take time to, to, to think through some of this? And, and I'd mentioned that I was gonna be talking about Brian and that's coming up here pretty soon. But here's the reality for each and every one of us. How many of you have seen Up? And there's this wonderful scene that comes in and there's this wonderful little dog named Doug and he has this great quote that is in there. He says, my master made me this collar. <laughs> He's a good and smart master. And he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! I have a great master. And he keeps going into this whole thing. Well, what on earth does this have to do with us? Here's the reality for me, and here's the reality for each and every one of you, and I'm sure you're a lot like this. Man, it is so easy for me to go, maybe it's a little bit more like this for you, is I find myself saying, man, I have a good and smart master, Jesus. He rescued me and gave me this life to live. He wants to live his life through me. Squirrel! I have this great master. We, we get distracted, don't we? Man, we start living and we go, man, I, God has called me to this great purpose and I can't wait to be involved in what he's doing. And squirrel, oh yeah, there's this purpose and, everything. and we keep going that we are so easily distracted. Why is it so important that Peter mentioned this? Well, because it's, we're easily distracted and he's trying to point people back to remember this. Encourage one another with this news that we need to be reminded of why we even exist as a group of people. So I need to be reminded of that. Well, what's the other reason? And this was my other one that I kind of thought through, kind of individuals this morning. Oh yeah, right, Rambo. By the way, this is not an endorsement of guns or, or, or toting guns or anything like that, but I think I need to make that. But Rambo, right? Man, sometimes we have this imagery in church. I ask you, what's your idea of church? Sometimes you have the guy that, that feels like, man, I'm guy or girl, that I'm Rambo. Man, you give me an army knife and I will go out and live on the land and I will, I will do this on my own. I don't need other people, okay? And so like he's out and he's, he's doing all of, all of this great stuff, man. I'll tell you what, it would be great to think if I was this guy, I could go out, I didn't need other people, I had my unlimited ammo that I could just go conquer the world on my own, but that is not reality in scripture. That doesn't happen. If you are trying to live as an island, it doesn't work. There's too much in scripture that points on our need for one another, this brushing that happens between us in order to make us the people that God desires us to be. Man, this morning we even heard worship. How many of you have, have gone to a concert where you heard an entire choir singing or you have a band like we just had? You realize some people don't have a band that they can come in and listen to. You have this collection of people that are coming together for a common purpose to create music and when you have one person singing in the group, if I did this, I could maybe pick somebody out and go, hey, could you sing for me? Now, if it was Olivia, it would sound really good. If it was me, not so much, but... If you have one voice singing, you have one response. But when you get a group of people together and start singing with a common purpose, trying to achieve a goal, oh man, it is amazing. It's great. 
And that's the ideal that Peter is bringing up, that we need one another to actually bring God the glory that he desires. I can't do this on my own. I need you. We need each other to do this. There's no such thing as a Rambo Christian. Now, one of the other questions that might come from that would be, well, wait a minute. Are you saying that the individual's unimportant? No. No, I'm not saying that the individual's unimportant. Well, what do I mean then? Each person has to hear and make a decision about Jesus Christ. That's clear from the text. I have to make a decision about this cornerstone. Will I build my life upon him? Will I trust him? Well, I take what I know about him. This isn't a blind faith. This is me learning about this God and finding out here's how he's revealed himself and who he's revealed himself to be. Will I trust him to start building my life and teaching me about marriage, teaching me about raising kids, teaching me about what it means to be a good employer, teaching me about what it means to be a good neighbor, teaching me about how do I actually go about reaching people in, in, in my neighborhood? Will I let him be the one that directs that, not me? Will I do that? That's a choice that I have to make. Each and every one of us have to make that. Will you trust him? Next, after this, will each of us actually take responsibility and come to God on a regular basis and make ourselves available to him, seek him so that we can actually hear what he's doing? It says it right in the first part of the passage. He says, as you come to him, as you're coming to him on a regular basis, will I make myself available to him? That's an individual choice that I have to make. I can't make that for you. And if I don't do that, it doesn't just impact me, it impacts each and every one of us in a different way. When I start looking to go, well, you know what, I guess I don't really need this brick right here, it does something to the structure. We need one another. Will we come to him? What other aspects are in here? Each of us has the responsibility to surrender and utilize the gifts and strengths that we have to the glory of God. Will you do that? That's a choice only you can make. Do you realize that God has uniquely wired each and every one of you? If you are here this morning, you call Cheyenne Berean home, that he's actually gifted and given you strengths to utilize to his glory, that when you aren't utilizing those and doing those in a collective group, we're missing out on actually better proclaiming and giving glory to God. You're important in that process. It's important that you utilize those gifts and skills. What else do we know? Each of us would benefit from reflecting on what we've been rescued from and who we've been rescued to. Man, because when that chorus comes together and we've reflected on that, remember that last verse? When we reflect on who he is and what he's done for us, man, we start singing worship differently. When we go, man, I realize what I've been rescued from. I remember that life. I remember what it was like. And now look where God's brought me. Man, God, you're faithful. Man, you you are good. And then our ability to praise God becomes so sweet. The last thing that I would talk about was this. With the churches, went to the conference and one of the things that is an initiative that they have is planting and strengthening churches. That's the Berean motto for the Berean Fellowship. Planting and strengthening churches to make disciples to reach the world. 
That's where Berean as a whole is moving. Man, it excites me. Doesn't that excite you to think about? One of the things that happened with Paul is reading through Acts and, and looking at his life is, man, the church sent Paul out and he was gonna be about proclaiming this message and, and, and all of a sudden he goes on his first missionary trip. He goes out to, to Asia, Asia Minor and he's sharing this message and people are coming together and accepting Christ and then he comes back and brings back a report and he's like, man, the Gentiles, they're, they're accepting God too and they're getting excited about this. They're sending him back on another trip. Why? He says, I wanna go back and see how they're doing. He's about strengthening the churches now. He's gone on a planting trip and now he's gonna go back and strengthen these churches. And so as, as a fellowship, one of the things that they are really getting serious about is planting and strengthening churches. One of the charges that was given out was every three years we wanna be a part of planting a new church in each district. Our district is the Front Range District. And I went, three years, woo, man, that means we got to start looking for a leader. We got to start training a leader. Oh my goodness. How do we do this? It overwhelmed me, I'll be honest. And actually I sat in a in kind of a focus group. There was a one of this sweet old lady that was sitting there in my group. Uh, she was one of the the people that attended Rochester and she was like, "Um, this seems like a big deal. Like, are we sure we're we're wanting to do this?" And I was like, <laughs> "I know, right?" <laughs> And, and, and we're all a part of this, right? You, me, all of us, you know? And she's like, oh man, are we sure we can do this? And I was like, no, I, I don't think we can. I really don't. God's gonna have to show up. He's gonna have to show up and he's gonna have to do something spectacular. And that also means that each and every one of us are gonna be important in that process. We need one another to do this. If we're going to effectively bring glory to God here at Cheyenne Berean in this church, we need you. My last point was just this, that you're important. You're important to what happens here at Cheyenne Berean. And while I was gone, this was my last thing that, that I was thinking about with the fellowship is this. It is so good to be a part of a fellowship. It was so good to go out and go to Rochester and be a part of that whole process. What it meant to a local church out there was the pastor got up towards the end. Rochester is about four to five hours from any Berean church. That means that they don't really regularly get to see a whole lot of people. And the pastor just said, man, it is so good. We tangibly got to see what it means to be a part of a fellowship this week. It encouraged their church. It gave them wings. We need one another. That was something that I walked away with going, man, it is so good to be a part of a fellowship, a group of other group of people, other pastors that will, that will challenge and encourage me. And we need one another here. If we're going to accomplish what God has for us at Berean, each and every one of you are important. I love you. It's so good to be back with each and every one of you and see you. So excited to be back doing what God's called us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for sending him to die on the cross for our sins. Oh, God, thank you for the fact that we have life because of him and that your son, chosen and precious, has been placed strategically as the cornerstone, what, uh, 
our lives can be built on, that cornerstone that's sure, that's sound. It can hold our weight. It can hold our worries, our frustrations. God, it can give us direction and what it means to live in this world that at times it's, it just seems upside down. God, thank you. Thank you for your son. God, our heart as a church now is because of what you've done. We want to bring glory to you. We want to proclaim the excellencies of you. God, help us to do that. We can't do that on our own. We'll fall flat on our face if we try to do it on our own. So God, we admit our need for you. We admit this morning our need for one another. And we surrender to you in your name. Amen.